Hey, you're listening to Scott Blasey of the Clarks on Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is Eddie Trunk from That Metal Show, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 253 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 253, we are joined by the drummer of the band The Pixies. His name's David Lovering. Uh, They're going to be doing a show in Pittsburgh on October 4th at Stage AE. Going to be a fantastic night. Uh, The weather should be beautiful. Uh, they're coming in to do a show. I think a lot of us from that uh, generation where the Pixies broke kind of wondered if we were going to see the band back together. Uh, they came back a few years kind of triumphantly and are still going together strong. So it's going to be great to see them. So we talked to David about uh, the show, what's going to be going on, the latest album from the band, and also his time as a magician, uh, which I found rather fascinating. So without further ado, let's get into that interview with David Lovering of the Pixies. We have drummer of the Pixies, David Lovering. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing well, John. How are you? Doing great. You're rolling into Pittsburgh. Um, you're on this current wave of dates um, in October on the 4th to play Stage AE. Uh, so excited to get a chance to talk to you and just talk a little bit about you know, the Pixies' you know, newest material and also kind of the legacy of the band. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, which is... Quite quite a bit. I mean, in in looking back at your career, um, did did you guys? I mean, obviously you started out in Massachusetts. You got you know rolling mm-hmm. like any band. But did you ever anticipate or at any point really have a chance to kind of sit back and look at you know the impact the band has had, almost on the musical world around you more so than even the charts? Well, not not really. I mean, the only reason I say that, John, is because I mean it's hard to get a perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I think I'm just a regular normal guy, and anything like that. I mean, it's, I'm a band. I play drums and everything. So I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's hard to get, I think, any bearing on uh, if it does have any impact, or it doesn't affect me in any way that I that I am astounded by it or anything like that. You know what I mean? I just, right. Um, I, I don't know anything anything different than this is what I do, and it's great. You know, and it's it's pretty cool. All that I must say, it is, is very cool, but it, it doesn't. Um, I can't equate it with anything or anything, or it doesn't. Um, it's nice, but um, uh, how, how should I say? Yeah, it's not a huge impact for me. I don't right. know. It's, it's, it's cool, though. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, you know, you get remarks from Bono or, you know, Kurt Cobain. Is there anything out there that, you know, somebody's walked up to you, you know, backstage at a gig or something like that? Somebody that maybe you looked up to that just kind of floored you with, with praise? Gosh. Well, I think well, I think I think only well, I should say it, it's very nice for, to get from anyone. But mm-hmm. one time uh, we opened up for Robert Plant, and that was mm-hmm. just uh, crazy in itself. Um, and he came backstage with one show, and he just said he loved the drumming. I was just like, what? <laughs> what you? What? You, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. I think you're thinking of some other band or something. But that was a, that was a huge compliment, and that was one. 
wonderful. Yeah, I mean, coming from him, I mean, that is an, that is an interesting one. Um, you know, when you think of the you know the drummer he worked with, you know, many people consider the drummer of all time. Um, to get right, one of my favorites. So yeah. yeah. Now, um, would you, if you were to describe the band sound, and, and you, know, you listen to it, and it's it's very unique. But if you had to kind of categorize what the Pixie sound is, what how would you uh-huh. describe it? Uh, I think the only explanation I could I I think would most maybe encapsulate it or something, or just have some description is mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of eighth notes on bass. Mm-hmm. So the bass, bass notes are running eighth notes, and there's a, probably just a regular rock beat <laughs> with me right. and some crazy guitar with Joe, and then maybe you know Charles screaming or or singing about some weird stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that's somewhat of a characteriz- characterization of the sound or something. But I don't think it's any formula that we do. But <laughs> that's what it is. If you could take us back, you know, to to 1986, you know, when the band kind of first got rolling, was was there much discussion on how you guys were wanted to sound before you you know actually put instruments together or did you know because you don't really sound like you know if you listen to what was on the radio in 1986 even you know alternative music in 1986 didn't sound uh-huh. like Pixies music um, so yeah how did that sound kind of evolve? Well, I don't think there was, there was really not a formula other than that we had a female bass player that mm-hmm. Joe and Charles were looking for originally, mm-hmm. and I think that was that was mainly for just the you know vocal, uh, you know, right. uh, just something to go against um, Charles's vocals. And gosh, um, that was really it. Other just being you know just trying to do a, a what we thought was a cool way of, of doing music, but I don't think mm-hmm. there's any there wasn't any plan on anything or any kind of formula as far as. Uh, what it is it's just you know Joe did his, did his guitar I did my drums came to the bass Charles sang and wrote pretty much all the music right. now it just, yeah it, that's just the way it was it just it, yeah it just happened so when you were specifically looking for a female bass player was it just because you wanted the female voice or was there or was it just kind of like someone designed this is the way I want the band to look or if, if you know your, your guitarist you know a guitarist came out of the woodwork who you know could sing? Would that have been something you know like a to consider in the band, or was it you specifically had a role for a female bass player? No, I think it was when they were originally looking. It was a female bass player, just mm-hmm. mainly for the voice. Um, mm-hmm. I think because Charles was really into Peter Paul and Mary, and I think that 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 is one of the bands that he cited. I'm sure that was mm-hmm. just 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 a, a, a favorite of his, and that's why we went that way. Right. Which you know is interesting because I don't really hear Peter Paul and Mary in your sound, but you know it is. It is interesting. <laughs> Not quite. Um, so you guys got back together, um, you know, a few years ago, and you know did the kind of reunion thing, but um, you know kind of validated it, I think, with this you know a second new album, Head Carrier. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know what went into making that album and what that process was like? Well, one thing that was a joy about Head Carrier was we had the luxury of spending seven weeks of pre-production of just seven weeks and whether two weeks there, three weeks there, here and there, just working on these songs. So in, in doing that, it was just a luxury because you really felt comfortable with the songs. And I mean, a lot of times in the studio, I was kind of, you know, you're under pressure. You're trying to figure it out still at that point. And this was just a joy. I mean, this was something that we hadn't done 
since 1986 or something when we were just gigging around Boston as a regular band because then we knew how to play the songs because we were right. gigging and doing them. Mm-hmm. So this was just incredible. What, what a joy to do this. So we had much time to really hone these songs. So going into the studio, which was a much shorter time than we had ever done in the past, it was only three weeks we were in the studio uh, for Head Carrier, mm-hmm. that you knew the songs, and boom, they were they were bang, 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 and it, it was just comfortable doing it in that, in, in that luxury of, of just an ease of being in the studio. So that was, that was, that was great. It was, it was a fun process working also with a new producer this time, Tom Delgetti, and he was wonderful, and it, it was the first guy that, or first someone who said in a bunch of the songs, because he was at pre-production for seven weeks as well, on and off, and he would say, I don't like that song, throw it away. So <laughs> we, there's not a lot of Pixie songs I think we've thrown away, but we, we have shelved it at least. So, um, yeah, and then Head Carrier was the outcome. We'll have a box set someday. You can put that as, those extra tracks in. Um, when, possibly, yeah, possibly. When you do a, a pre-production, can you kind of walk the listener through what, what is involved in that? Is that just kind of woodshedding the songs, or um, do you record yeah. those? What what goes into the pre-production there might be some recording later on, or actually along the process, just working on with a you know, little cassette recorder or something, mm-hmm. just minuscule. Or it depends where we're we're doing pre-production. But the day and titles probably, if we're, I mean, we've done it. At, we stayed in cities where we've ended up on tour for maybe an extra week, just mm-hmm. being in a either a recording studio or a rehearsal room, you know, mm-hmm. with, with band practice, kind of kind of things like that. The day would start at one o'clock. Still, nobody would get lunch before, but you show up at one o'clock, and then everybody eats lunch, and you don't start till three. One of those things, and that happens all the time. And um, yeah, and then um, you just play through the songs, take breaks, you know, go for an hour or something, take a break, keep going over and over and over. And it works. It works. It's like I am. I think practice makes perfect. It it was just a, a nice luxury to have. In, in previous albums, was it more you were kind of writing them almost as you were recording them in the studio? You just kind of go in and, and you end up spending more time in the studio in the long run? Um, or well, how, not, did you, not, how did you bang songs out prior? I think on Indie Cindy, we had about four or five songs that worked out. Mm-hmm. I forget how many songs on the album. It might be 11 songs or something like that. Uh, but there were ones that we've known in the past as well as I think there were at least two of them on Indie City that we just came up with in the studio. So that was that was um, nice. So what, what was funny about Head Carrier, one of the songs, we had three weeks uh, booked at a studio, and we had a list of songs that we knew inside and out that we went. We went through the list. We were on whatever, the, 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 the last song pretty much. And then the, the, uh, the night before, Paz was messing around with something on a bass. She said, I think I have an idea. So she comes in with a song, um, and they jam with Charles, and he said, I'll do it if I do the lyrics, blah, blah. So that was the only song, which was the last song that we recorded, and it was kind of almost the last day mm-hmm. where we didn't have any pre-production. This was written, boom, just, I think, the night before or something. And the funny thing about it, John, is when I listened to it, it's it's my, my favorite song on the album. It was kind of written by Paz, and we did it <laughs> one night, just the next day, and it sounds, it's just ironic that it, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's one of those songs that everybody has to go back when it's time to tour and figure out how they played it because they didn't have enough time with it to really learn it. They just you know spit it out for tape. It's yeah, funny. yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, and I've, I've suffered that many, many a time. So. Yeah, do it good enough to get it on tape and then figure out how to play it later. 
Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. David, let me ask you, uh, this has been something that I, I found fascinating uh, about your career is your, your kind of parallel role in magic. Um, can you talk a little <laughs> bit about what got you interested in that? I went to a magic convention probably, this is when the Pixies broke up. Um, oh. I uh, went to a magic convention in Los Angeles with a, a fellow musician who's a magician, Jack Grantley Phillips. And this happens every, I don't know how many years in L.A., but there were just a lot of name magicians. Now, mind you, John, I, I, I really didn't know or seen any, any magic or mm. any, uh, I've seen magic, but I didn't know it, think anything of it. But while being there, I just saw a trick that blew me away, and that was it. From that point on, I bought every book, every video, took classes, joined the Magic Castle just for years. Just practice magic until I could become, I think, a proficient, proficient enough to actually uh, get gigs and do, and do, uh, do shows with it. And um, it became the Scientific Phenomenalist. I've opened up for the Pixies and the Breeders with it and other bands and traveled. And that's been, the Pixies have been kind of uh, a little too busy to do my science show, but I still do close up and kind of um, mm-hmm. magic backstage or, you know, hanging out. That, that I think, is, is, is a lot more fun than a big show. Let me ask you this, because this is, you know, I wonder when I, I watched some video of you uh, doing this, which one's scarier, uh, you know, to go out on stage, you know, just you and an audience, you know, doing your magic or big giant rock audience with a band? Um, is one well, make you a little more nervous? Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, even with the Pixies, I think the first gig we ever did, there were 10 people in the audience. It was a scary gig because those are the people we knew, our friends, sure. you know, coming to a club. And that was, that was scary. After that, there was not a single show. I can't think of a single show that I've had any nerves or anything about. It's just, it's, and I, I think it was the fact that I'm behind a drum kit, I'm behind three people. Mm-hmm. And it was just much easier to do that. When I did my first magic show, John, this was the crazy thing. I was in front of 10 people again. And it was me, and I never sweat so much. I could have filled up my T-shirt with, I could have filled up two Dixie cups with sweat. It was, it was crazy. And the one thing I can say about magic is the, I mean, when you do it, you got to do it, and just doing it and doing it overcame. I would, I would, I would say a confidence that I had Mm -hmm. probably because I mean it was, it was definitely suspect when I when I did my first show. But magic is over the years has been a lot easier. Now I can do public speaking. Right. <laughs> I think anything else, all because of magic. So it's I, been a it's been a nice other other um, uh, thing for me. Yeah, yeah I've, I've wondered that you know because you you are you know kind of behind you know in, in a gang when you're in a band you know you're back there you're kind of the you know the yeah. back line and. and for better or worse, a lot of people don't notice drumming unless you know you would make a mistake or drop a stick or you know um, you know drum solo something like that. But you know in a magic, it's just yeah. you. I mean, there's no room for error, no one to hide behind. Um, you know, you can make yourself disappear yeah. perhaps, but you know, nothing. <laughs> right, right. You could do some. Chris and what, what Angel. was crazy about it, John? And what was crazy is you know a lot of the shows that I did, I say opening up for the Pixies, the Breeders, or fellow bands, and wherever I was. I even opened up for a Pixies cover band one time during my magic show. But the thing is, at all these shows, I could do no wrong because everybody, oh, that's, that's Dave from the Pixies. Yeah. <laughs> because they were coming to see kind of a Pixie thing, and it was that, or whatever I was attached to with that, with that opening act. So those shows I got off pretty easy, but I think the rest of the shows, it was, it was, I had to do a lot of work. 
What was I mean, that is kind of interesting because you don't see that you know in, in music very often where you see you know a non musical act opening for a band. I mean, was it a lot of it based you know on the fact that you know you're playing opening for the Pixies or you know um, some of the solo bands connected to the Pixies that people you know recognize your name and that kind of got you the ability to do that um, or have you guys had other types of opening entertainment for lack of a better term? Well, I mean just. Just for me, it was just a novelty because you mm-hmm. know the, the, they they asked me to do it. But um, I don't think the Pixies have never really had. I don't think uh, either a comedy act or a magic act. I don't think opening up for us ever. And there's not many bands I see that either touring that that do that or, or that go around. Um, yeah. So it would be it would be something good. I think it it it, it plays. It's a nice break, I think, in some way for the band to play because you're not getting bombarded either with music or yeah. or any kind of music. It's kind of a whole different thing setting it up. So, I mean, it could it could be an interesting uh, uh, event. Yeah, I like the idea. I was thinking, you know, when you go to a Cirque show, for example, sometimes they'll have someone in the audience who does some, you know, kind of humor with the audience and sits down, and then you sit down, and it's a totally different production that it might make for an interesting, yeah. Yeah. you know, evening's entertainment to have something like that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people just use Ooh. the formulaic, you know, well, we're a band. We're going to get a band that kind of sounds like us. You know, we'll, we'll get them on stage to warm up the crowd. So I like the idea of yeah. kind of breaking that monotony up. So, David, it's been a pleasure. Again, you're in Pittsburgh on October. I'm doing a show at Stage AE. So we uh, wish you safe travel into Pittsburgh, and we'll see you when you get here. Thank you, John. I appreciate it so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. All right, take care. All right. The most influential alternative rock band on the planet is back. Pixies. October 4th, Stage AE Outdoors. Pixies. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or the Stage AE box office. For more information and tour dates, stop by PixiesMusic.com. Pixies, brought to you by Promo West North Shore. Alright again, a big thank you to David Lovering of the band The Pixies. They're going to be coming in to do a show at Stage AE on October 4th. It's going to be an outside show, so hopefully the wonderfully warm fall we've had thus far holds on for a few more days for a great night outside under the stars, uh, catching uh, you know one of the biggest bands of the alternative music uh, of the uh, late 80s, early 90s that uh, was so popular. So we'll be looking forward to seeing them and uh, Thank you to David for indulging my questions on uh, his uh, magic that he did, because uh, I thought that was a pretty cool thing to have a musician open for a band as a, a uh, musician open as a magician. Uh, that was a pretty cool thing. So, want to thank him for that. Again, you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All of them are forward slash ironcityrocks. You can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show, what kind of music you like, what guests you like, what guests you didn't like. Uh, we'd love to hear any feedback we can get from you guys. So until next time, I want to thank you so much for listening. 